This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 8778 Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 113. Today is Thursday, August 17th. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswelli. We got a great show on the docket today, talking rest of season bold predictions. A uh, couple things there that you don't often hear in August, but love the topic. And even more so than the topic, love the guest. We have an honorary pitcherless guest with us today. I'm going to tease it out, say, Steve, how's it going? And let you introduce our guest of honor. Oh, wow. That's that's tough. Um, you know, you usually do such a good job with the transitions and hosting duties. So this is a this punt. Was a, yeah, this was a, a curveball here. But and, and the honor, I mean, this is, you know, at least on, on, on the Discord, this is one of the most prominent and one of the the, the best parts of Pitcherless, in my opinion. That's uh, Christopher Weber. You may know him as Schwebzy from In the Deep. Uh, Schwebz, I know we've podcasted before, but we haven't done a, a proper episode of WAF with, with Van and myself. So welcome aboard. Uh, glad to have you on to, to talk some baseball here uh, in the middle of August. Yeah. Hi, friends. Uh, been a while since I've gotten to say that. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm kind of I'm, I'm like a pitcher list free agent right now. Like I'm, I'm just I'm just kind of like floating out here in the in the ether waiting for a pitcher list podcast to ask me to do something like take me out of like, you know, cryogenesis and, and just like break me out to, to do something. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself right now. Well, uh, Schweb's the the voice itself is right up there with with DVR for probably like that's the bracket we need for from baseball pods is best podcast voice, and I think you'd probably be a powerhouse one seed. But now the question has to be asked for all our listeners wondering, what is next for Schwebzy in the world of podcasting? Man, I I don't know. I I first of all that that is that is the highest of compliments because. Uh, Fun, fun fact about me: I don't listen to podcasts. As a podcast, I listen to zero podcasts. That's probably helpful, though, because you, I, you I don't because I don't want it to like color my opinions. You know, I don't want to do what other people are doing. So I, I just want you know I want my content to be my own. I don't want it to be colored by other people's thoughts and opinions. I'm so, so but, guilty. I'm guilty of that, man. I'm like an AI generator spitting out what I've heard in the past week. But no, go ahead. Continue. Uh, I, I did listen to uh, Rates and Barrels 
a couple of times. I, I think it was uh, when I was moving down to North Carolina from New York and I had a lot of a lot of uh, car time. And my my two takeaways were, man, these guys are good. And I'm just like, I, I and I, I mean this in the most playful of ways. I hate DVR, man. His voice is too perfect. I've never heard <laughs> the man fair. say um or like. No. It's infuriating to listen to as a, as a... as as someone who <laughs> listens to way too many baseball podcasts, and like a reason why I wanted to do this was because I listened to baseball podcasts um, basically all day every day. Like people like ask like what kind of music I listen to and stuff. I'm like I don't know. I listen to like baseball podcasts all year round. Like that's all I do. It is very humbling, and like I have to remind myself that this isn't my full-time job that like uh, I, it's okay to not have like clubhouse sources and all this information and not ever stumble over your words and not use these big words so seamlessly and sound so smart all the time that it's okay. Like I'm just doing this on the side at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night here. Um, so yeah, I totally get that, but I am, I still listen to baseball <laughs> podcasts and probably subconsciously, ripped them off so thank you everyone for your good ideas for our humble little podcast here well and thank you everyone for for listening to our baseball podcast unlike schwebzy here in august it's an extra shout out because a lot of people are switching over but this should be a fun show probably some uh, a mixture of kind of actionable advice and also as we do this time of year you start to, you know, start glancing at the rearview mirror as we head into the off season. Uh, and this episode kind of has it all because we're looking at rest of season bold predictions where there's still the element of the crystal ball with the predictions. But it's also, I don't know, it just feels like draft season or draft prep. It, there, there's found value in the players that break out in August and September because so many people are, are switched off. It seems like this is the production that can fly under the radar and people can say like, oh, quietly, he put up a big year last year. And it's usually because what they did at the tail end of August and September has a lot to do with it. So Steve, per usual, uh, I would love to hear your takes on, on the show topic, uh, especially since you were the one who kind of spawned this idea. And I think it's a fun one. I don't think we've ever done this in our 113 episodes. So I'm into it. No, we haven't, but we've always said like, and maybe we're victims of it too much. I know this, I've fallen for the second half split. And whenever you look at splits, it's always a dangerous game to play because smaller sample size leads to more noise. But there's always guys that, you know, whether your team is out of contention or, you're a fantasy football player. You're just not paying attention as much in August and, and September. There's always guys that you're like, wow, that that what happened in uh, August and September? The, the first guy that always comes to mind is uh, your boy, Van, uh, Tommy Edmond from like 2019. Uh-huh. Like he got called up in like mid or early August, uh, April, um, August and like put together like a 10-10 with like a 290 average and kind of was a surprise and then people didn't buy it because it was a small sample. And then he ended up being, you know, a pretty good fantasy player over the next few years. So that was like the first guy that always comes to mind when we do this exercise. So, you know, it it is bold predictions, but it's also like, all right, let's, let's try and get ahead and see what we think could be some interesting surprises here during the last eight weeks of the baseball season. 
yeah, predicting the surprise is like a yeah, a, a kind of a paradox. But Schwebzy, your your thoughts on the topic? Uh, you know, do you do you get into fantasy football ever? Are you are you dialed in from start to stop on the fantasy season? And are there any wild card names that that stick out in the past of guys who turned it off? Because I, I do feel like these kind of come to mind when you think about like, wait, he did what? So uh, I'm curious what uh, your thoughts are on the, the topic in general. So I, I am pure baseball. I used to do fantasy football, but uh, a couple a couple years ago, I, I bailed on my leagues and uh, we, we switched to 100% baseball. And I, I mean, I, I think it's really beneficial in these later months because you know, a lot of people do check out. It's th- This is when leagues are won. Uh, you know, you can jump out to a big lead and easily, easily lose it as if, you know, if you stop paying attention at this time of year. Uh, I, I think the, the the guy that I hold like nearest and dearest to my heart for for like these late season, you know, glow ups, I guess, is is Newt Bar. He, oh, he was gosh, like every yeah. fantasy analyst's favorite in the second half of last year. He's kind of doing it right now, too. He's hot. Not like to throw it. cold water on that, but uh, he did leave the game tonight. With oh, no. Steve, you're always yeah, doing this, yeah, too. Yeah. You're I always know, doing I'm this, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I get way too many notifications on my phone just about like whatever Twitter accounts I follow that break MLB news, so I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. Fair enough. No, the ones that come, like Bo Bichette went nuts. I feel like Joey Manessas yeah, had one. to have been, Manessas had to have been like a, a late surger last year. Uh, the, and then some of them are kind of chronic you know, slow starters that kind of turn it on. I feel like Kyle Tucker is always putting on a big second half, which he's doing this year after everyone kind of looks at his expected numbers and they're like, oh, he's way underperforming. Uh, But yeah, Brian Dozier was the last one that I remember always being a slow starter and then turning it on in the second half and being like a, a chronic splits guy. Uh, So yeah, a lot of fun. And we've got a variety of, I guess you could call it bold statements that Steve put together, and we've had to retrofit some names that fit the bill here. So that's kind of the format. Yeah, if, there, we're going if there's in, any right? bad, like bold subjects, uh, you can blame me. Um, that this is this is what I thought of. So um, it's yeah, and we'll keep and we'll keep bad. it loose. You know, we got uh, you know Schwebzy took a nap that ran a little long. Steve was working in the city. I had a contractor who was busting out the iPad with the whole dog yeah. and pony show. So guys, we're gonna keep it loose. It's gonna be a fun show. <laughs> Uh, Steve, anything I, to I, add there? I came home to, or I didn't come home. My mother-in-law came home to like six balls of yarn just sprawled out throughout the whole house because my dog somehow got his way into a, a thing of yarn that my wife was going to knit a blanket for her friend's <laughs> baby that is coming. Um, and the house was just an absolute mess. So, I had to deal with that as well um, to, you know, cut into some prep time. And then to top it all off, of course, there was just some pee for good measure that he just put somewhere um, <laughs> for whatever reason. He does not like being left home alone. Um, and my mother-in-law's dog was in her crate and that crate was moved like halfway across the room. So it, w- it was a debacle. Tate, um, Tate is on. Yeah. One, basically. Yeah. Fun fact, yeah. I think uh, Schwebzy and I have the, the, a dog with the same name. If, if, yeah. you know, Tater. When you, when, you like, when you like baseball and you get a dog, you name it Tater. Yeah. So wait, is, is yours just Tater full stop? 
Yeah, uh, we call him Tate, but yeah, we call him Tate. Uh, see, Tate, I, Tate is his uh, is his birth name. If you yeah, my, mine yeah. was a compromise with my wife because she wanted to name him something food related, and I wanted to name him something ah, baseball related. So, so we have Tater Tot. Tater Tot yeah, is his yeah, government yeah, name, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. government yeah. name. <laughs> we we call him Tater Tot too. Yeah, so but his official name is Tate. Uh, just the baseball home run euphemism, but Tater Tot. Works I good. wish I had a nickel for every time someone was like, "Oh my God, that's the cutest name." Yeah, it's it's yeah. perfect. It's great. It's a great dog yeah. name. Yeah, Adam Howe and I were just talking about how Pitcherless is a great community to also beg, borrow, and steal names because it's not like your friend that already <laughs> named. So, like you know, he's got Parker his daughter, and I was like, I might add that to our daughter potential name list because you know it's like no one in my circles. Yeah, there's know no it. there's no downside. Yeah, it's just it's just a Pitcherless circle. There's no it's, downside. Yeah, to, it's to friendly using the same name. Yeah, love it, love it. So first one, guys, we'll jump right in and the first kind of bold statement we each have to provide a player for is who a player whose adp will rise the most from the summer gladiator adp so these were drafts from july 1st steve i believe you pulled it on nfbc and this was uh 10 drafts total so kind of a small sample size but still a good midway through the season stopping point of of drafts and adps correct yeah, yeah. I uh, just wanted to get like a fresher, quote unquote, ADP rather than using something from back in March. So, um, so the breakouts it, there, are there is, yeah, 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 the in, breakouts were not, accounted for, and yep. you know, Trey Turner, um, RIP me, was not like the second pick overall. No one took him before Acuna. Who would ever do that? Couldn't be me. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also a 26 slot drafts and there's no bench spots and no roster moves so um that's why they call it gladiator i guess because you have to survive the injuries but uh i didn't do one but it's, it's an interesting format i'm definitely gonna try and do one next year if i remember or if they do it again yeah uh, but yeah up. it's just a it's just a fresher adp that we could go off of to kind of make our more our bold predictions like you know not like oh uh i don't know who went and the, the later rounds this year, that's an obvious riser uh, because they were good for four months. But um, yeah, we could still make some some good calls off of this this data since it's more updated. Well, Schwebzy, why don't you start us off as the guest of honor with uh, your prediction here? I know they're they're kind of dart throws in a sense, but talk us through your guy and, and why you think they might be the ADP riser. Oh, I've got an easy riser here because he does the one thing that we fantasy owners are suckers for the most, and that is steal a lot of bags. CJ Abrams had a gladiator ADP of 206. And wow. just just a little little thought exercise here. If it, he since since July 21st, uh, sorry, since, since July 1st, CJ Abrams has stolen 21 bases. That's in about <laughs> six weeks. We've got about six weeks left in this season. If he, say, steals another 15 bags, and winds up with like 45 say where does his what's his adp next year top 40 right i I feel maybe higher yeah like tommy edmund went around like 70 this year and that's like a floor it's going to be higher than that if he steals 40 plus bags because he's hitting for some power now too right Mm -hmm. he has so in that same time frame he has a 121 wrc plus he's just he's just better since then he's only striking out 14% of the time in, in the last six weeks or so. And 
he's putting a charge into the ball more often. He's suddenly realized how fast he is. And uh, we, we say all the time over on in the deep stolen bases are, you know, it, it's not even half and half. It's like 75% intent and then 25% skills. Yeah. And he had the skills and now suddenly he's just ramped his intent like off the charts. He's stealing bags constantly now. So if he maintains that mindset, if he maintains that aggression, like he could be a comfortable 40 stolen base guy in a full season. Yeah. And like you said, Steve, you're, it, we're not talking non-zero beyond that. Like mm-hmm. by the end of the season, he could flirt with 15 homers and that, that steal count, like you're talking Schwebzy could be 45, like 15 homers, 45 steals an average that won't kill you, uh, probably a slight plus on average. What's kind of crazy is even batting leadoff for the Nats, his runs and RBIs are just such garbage. Like the RBIs make sense, but like it's crazy that a leadoff with his, you know, speed on the base paths might top out at like 70 runs total. But I don't think you'll care with, you know, the the premium that's put on speed. So yeah, I think that's a good one. And I could not believe that that ADP was 206 from the July drafts. Uh, Steve, I know you're you're a big Abrams guy too. I feel like you're nodding your head over there. Yeah, I think I think it's a great call. And I think there's like some room for upside even with what he's been doing in the second half. It's just a 306 BABIP. So for a guy that fast that sprays the ball over, all over the field, like – I think there's a, a room for more than just a 280 hitter here. Um, I, I feel like when a when a hitter, where when a when a player hits the majors and immediately scuffles, it's really really easy to immediately forget what their prospect reports were like. He was the number he was the number one prospect in baseball, right? Over maybe very briefly, or, he was or, definitely top or, five or, for the Padres. Yeah, yeah, I think there there was some really good names that he was like ranked above uh, when when he was hit a, a prospect i'm pretty sure he peaked at like number two yeah but we're, we're um, talking yeah he was yeah, I, I, I guess he he graduated in 2022 on fan graphs and his, his rank then was 11 but i mean that was he had some time in the majors i think at that point right and and, and that sort of took into account the fact that he didn't like blow the doors off the majors or, or, or the high levels of the minors too. Um, but he was definitely, yeah, like his prospect per degree was, I mean, he has 60 future value. Mm-hmm. Uh, on he's like the good. Yeah, yeah. He's like the good use case version of Victor Robles that the, the Nats finally got in a way. I know different and that, position, that, might, that might have played, played into it too. Right. Because Robles was a top five prospect at points too. And, uh, this sort of same profile on the same team off to a slow start. Like maybe people gave up onto him incorrectly because of that. But yeah, good thing Abrams yeah, isn't I, on the team that ruined Robles, call. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm holding my nose for. But uh, speaking of teams that ruin players, mine for this category <laughs> is fresh off of leaving the Chicago White Sox and that glowing franchise right now. But it's Lance Lynn who – is not, uh, again, not as actionable in terms of ads, but in this draft, the ADP was more or less 136, which feels in the range that he was at at the start of the season, which is kind of a testament to people throwing up their arms about what to do with Lancelin, because 
we saw, what, two 10-strikeout games before he had the 16-strikeout game, but a lot of hair-pulling in between and, and during that with the earned runs and the walk rate. And it kind of led everybody to asking if the 36-year-old was done. And then what do you know? The Dodgers pick him up at the trade deadline, and his last three starts is only three starts with the Dodgers, 18 innings, 22 strikeouts, a 2-0-0 ERA, and a .94 whip. So really like that Lance Lynn is, is clicking in. I know he was kind of vocal about the bad juju going on in Chicago, and it seems like he's very happy now with the Dodgers. There's some funny photos out there of him kind of cheesing in in the team photos with them, but I know there's some regression regression coming here. Like most of his runs allowed for the Dodgers have been solo shots. Uh, in terms of the overall snapshot, like the walks are uncharacteristically double of what they were last year. And yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a, a top 10 starting pitcher. That said, what I'm encouraged by is the fact that the Dodgers have done this with so many pitchers, whether it's Andrew Heaney or, you know, insert any name that they've kind of fixed or gotten the most out of. And we're seeing some tinkering from Lance Lynn, who's a guy who's so established. And in his three starts in this month of August, he's completely swapped out a, a huge amount of cutter usage for an increase in just his primary four seamer. And it looks like the results are really following. So uh, yeah, I'm, you know, looking at Lance Lynn, if he kind of continues this ascent, I don't think it's in the pitcher landscape out of the question to see him going in the, in the top 100 of ADP, just knowing that his last, you know, three starts, he's well over a strikeout per inning. And, you know, with the Dodgers, that's a, a really good scenario. So Lance Lynn is mine there, Steve. I know you kind of live chatted on the rundown that you were digging it, but uh, what do you think of the Lance Lynn renaissance midseason here? What other team, maybe besides like the Rays or the Astros, would you have preferred Lance Lynn to go to? Right. From like the worst possible team he could be on, uh, a team where players are saying that there's like no leaders and there's no rules. So how the hell are they going to know what to do or tinker with Lance Lynn's arsenal to get the best out of them? They're just like, oh, Lance Lynn has this – Seven year A, what are you going to do? It's like, well, maybe try and fix something. And of course, the Dodgers do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Lanson because I think he is this consistent, old, boring arm that is a top 30 pitcher, like year in and year out. That obviously isn't going to be the case on the whole this year, but for the rest of the season, yes, I think it will be. And I think that he will be sort of what we expected Lance Lynn to be heading into this year, next year, especially if the Dodgers pick up his option. I don't know what it's, what the price tag on that is for, but um, 18 point, it's a two year contract, 38 million. Um, I mean, I'm sure that the option is maybe a little bit higher than that. I could see the Dodgers picking that up. Um, So, yeah, I, I like Lance Lynn for the rest of the season and next. Schwebzy, quick thoughts on Lance Lynn. Is this a guy uh, in the circle of trust for you, or are you out on him? Uh, my feelings on Lance Lynn are mostly fury because I, I kept him in a really important league and then dropped him when he was really bad for like three months. <laughs> so I'm not getting to reap any of the benefits. But no, I, it's I'm I'm confident in him as as long like. 
is he a free agent after this year? I'm actually not sure about his contract status. Club, club, I, club. There's a club option for next year. Oh, I, I mean, given the kind of turmoil and injuries going on in the Dodgers rotation, I can absolutely yeah. see them retaining yeah, right. him. And mm-hmm. if they if they do that, I, I love him for next year. Yeah, they don't seem like a team scared of uh, aging, starting pitching. And yeah, I I agree with what you you said too, Steve. It's like kind of a solidifier, almost a, a backfill for that Charlie Morton. Yeah, type he's like of, your he's like you know. your perfect SP two three. Maybe not maybe not two, but SP three. Like I, I I love it for for Lance Lynn. I like that too, and I mainly use this as an excuse to talk about the exciting things going on. There's a good chance that his ADP actually won't. Uh, I mean, we'll see what he does the rest of the way, but I feel like a lot of people got burnt on uh-huh. Lance Lynn, and his, he was so bad that the ratios might not even look good. For instance, right now his ERA is still a 647, and the whip is 146. So for kind of like, you know, league, home leagues, leagues that aren't tuned in like, like we are in August and September might miss and just look at the overall line. And so you might be able to grab him as like, yeah, like an SB3 or 4, so... Yeah, that's Lance Lynn. Steve, why don't you give us your ADP riser that you're predicting for uh, to round us out here? This might be one of my most favorite and, and, and guys I'm going to try to target the most next year in leagues, um, and that's Nolan Jones. Um, his ADP in the Gladiator drafts in, on July 1st was 261. That's a little surprising because like, I think what he got called up in like May and basically hit um, a good amount. I know there were some times that the Rockies rockied and didn't play him that much. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was one month. It was it was June. He hit he had a nine thirty six OPS in June though. Dipped a little bit in in July and is back at it in August. But it is surprising I, though. He had five I, steals in June. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I know that there are some red flags. The, the K rate is, is very concerning. It's up over 30%. But the quality of contact is just amazing. Like a 15.2% power rate, 45.5% hard hit. Um, mix that when you play your half your games in course field. Like, you just have to show that you're any semblance of a good hitter for me to and, and play in Colorado. And I basically love you. Um and despite all that swing is miss, like his X stats on pitcher list are still good. Like it's a 260 XBA with a 380 X Woba, I think. Um, so for a guy that has an over 30 K rate, that's good. He has a great arm, good speed. He's a plus defender. Like I know the Rockies announcers, uh, they they catch slack. A few of my buddies who are big baseball fans talk about how um, they're kind of one of the more homerish teams. Not that all announcers are, but they rave basically every broadcast that I watch that like Nolan Jones is like becoming the superstar. And I think he might be, um, he doesn't chase that much. Um, he doesn't chase with two strikes. Um, and a lot of this, the, the strikes against him are on called strikes. He's just seventh percentile on the amount of called strikes that he takes. And it's just, I mean, it's still not great, but it's just the 13.5% swing strike rate, which That's maybe there's some room for, for, for improvement in, in K rate. And I think that like reminds me a lot of Trevor Story's profile, maybe with like a little less speed that plays outfield and first base, you know, like a, if you can get to like a 28% K rate with his power and the BABIP that comes with Coors field. And it's not like he has these unbelievable home road splits. Um, 
he's still hitting on the road too, which is which is nice. Like there's a lot of guys that um, CJ Crone. Yeah, yeah, and he, he he's hitting lefties. He's sitting lefties too. He has an uh, 804 OPS versus lefties. So um, there's a lot to like here, and I think Nolan Jones can be a stud next year. Um, maybe he maybe people won't buy into it. Maybe I'm just blinded by cores and this 15.2 percent power rate and ignoring the red flags. But I like Nolan Jones for the rest of the season and next. I think he he might be the highest strikeout rate player that we've both liked, Steve, in a while. This, that's that's <laughs> tr- that's troubling. Yeah, and on top of that, it's almost like when we t- like your comment about Coors made me think like it's kind of been a minute since we've seen any of them actually come story. to fruition. Story. Where, yeah, it might have just been story because there was Brendan Rodgers, Garrett Hampson, like it's seen. Yeah, Crone obviously had had some good years, but different than kind of the youngsters that are coming up. And it does feel like they are very due for like a fantasy star, even if that looks like, I don't know, Kyle Schwarber or somebody who strikes out a lot. Uh, Schwebzy, curious on, on your side, if you have differing views, pushback, or if you think Nolan Jones is a, a legit investment in next year's drafts, wherever that ADP lands, which I know is kind of a hard question to answer without knowing where the ADP is. But uh, what do you think on on the player? I actually I actually have zero exposure to Nolan Jones this year because I have such distrust of the Rockies franchise. Mm-hmm. But he's played pretty much every day for the last month, and that was like the, so. Th- there were two concerns with him, right? Rocky is going to Rocky, and the strikeout rate. So he mm-hmm. has conquered one of those. Can he <laughs> conquer the other? Uh, <laughs> And that's where I I don't know because like I, I feel the same way about him as I did about Garrett Mitchell at the end of last year. It's like he could be so good if and like th- that if is just like five ticks of strikeout rate and whether he can get there or not, it's it's going to be up to him and the work he puts in. I like it's something that is a smart bet. It's a really high upside bet, and those are the kind of bets that you like to make. So, I mean, if if you're a gambling man, he's absolutely a, a, a strong target in whatever rounds he winds up going. And I, I, I bet he winds up being like a like a mid 10 round guy, like a like a 13th rounder or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I, when we talked about him last, I think we said he's probably going to be one of those that the min pick max pick gap is about yeah. as wide as it gets because. Yeah, he he is definitely like an overall play for for NFBC leagues because yeah, he could yeah. 40, when you 20. strike out thirty five percent of the time, you basically cannot have a good batting average. You need to run a four hundred BABIP if you're going to have a good batting average, striking out thirty five percent of the time. And right now he's doing that, and he's still three ninety seven BABIP. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's still only at like two seventy for a batting average, which isn't great. Mm-hmm. So when that BABIP comes down to a, a more reasonable number, 350 or whatever, he's going to be hitting, you know, 245. And then it starts getting not palatable anymore. Then you start thinking more Joey Gallo than Trevor Story, which, you know, still could be a good player, but it's, you know, gets less palatable the the more that batting average comes down. It, it mm-hmm. reminds me of the good Tyler O'Neill year. Which maybe is Ooh, yeah, that's a, a good word, a word, a word, a word of caution. It is, yeah, but there's also I, I think other examples. I know the speed and power is kind of flipped, but like Byron Buxton uh, was a guy who was 35 percent strikeout 
rate at, at a time. And then, you know, eventually he's got to get it down to like 30. He's got to get it down to like 30. Yeah, for sure. But it's a, it's a really good name and, and one that has a good shot here. So we'll see. What I he think does the fact that the there is a lot of called strike and he doesn't chase, um, core skills. Yeah. 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 Might, might lead to some improvement in, in the strike area. I mean, that's yeah. really squint. That's really squinting, but th- there could be some less swing and miss here. I mean, the, the superstars did it. Like that's how story, like, you know, after his, what, there was that bad sophomore year where he struck out like 35% of the time. Then he ended up becoming like a mid twenties guy, right. At some point, like that's the, that's the story. No pun intended to that, that you tell, you tell yourself, um, on how these guys develop but yep well i'm gonna keep us moving guys because we could talk all night about nolan jones but we've got to get our first ad break and when we return we will get into hitters who could raise their average by 20 points after this break when it comes to weight management we tend to put our focus on what we eat but noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat and that's a game changer noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, so guys, I'm going to keep us on the conveyor belt here and, and rattle off mine for a batter who could raise their batting average by 20 points. And mine is none other than Max Muncy, who is a guy I've kind of been, you know, he was part of my bold predictions, and the power part of that uh, has looked solid enough as he's sitting on 28 homers uh, with still about a month and a half to go. However, he is well below the Mendoza line with a 198 batting average. And someone might say, well, he batted 196 last year in 136 games, so maybe this is just the new Eugenio Suarez type of mold. 
but I'm I'm thinking that there's a little bit more here for Muncie. I know he fly, that he hits a ton of fly balls, so he's kind of the true, uh, you know, three true outcomes type of guy with the homer, walk, or strikeout. Uh, but with that said, he, he's got a lot of good things going for him. His barrel rate's as high as it's ever been in his career at 16.7%. He still hits the ball really hard. And just looking at kind of the names we were talking about at the start of the show about guys who kind of turn it on late. Last August, Muncie was very bad all year, and then he hit 261 in August, 259 in September. And we just know the player is a guy who can go on some tears at, for a month at a time. And I wouldn't be shocked as Muncie is still just 32 years old if he put together a, a really nice last six weeks here. And it won't take too much to, to raise a batting average from 198 up to, you know, 218, 220. So this is my gamble. Uh, I'll open the floor, see if you guys have thoughts. And otherwise, we can uh, keep going down down the list here. But any any pushback on Muncie or you guys think this is a decent shout here? Um, Muncie's my Lance Lynn, um, because I dropped him like when he was stuck on like 18 homers, uh, what, like three or four weeks ago. And he's like proceeded to hit 10, um, over, over that period that I dropped him. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there is some room for improvement in, in the, in the batting average, but I think that it's in line with like his 215 XBA, um, which I guess if, if, if Muncy was hitting two, 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 if Muncy was hitting two fifteen, that that makes a pretty big difference, I think. Right? Like, there's been some like really good Kyle Schwarber years where he had like thirty eight homers and hit two fifteen. Um, the difference between the one ninety and the two fifteen is huge. So if he can get there, I, I think he can. Um, he's like, you know, on all of those Statcast leaderboards when you sort by like the difference in XBA and BA, he's he's near the top. Um, but he does hit a ton, a ton of fly balls and pulls everything, um, strikes out a good amount. Um, but I mean, his BABIP's 191, his career BABIP's 248. And the last two years, it was 227, 257. Like that is an outlier. So, um, he still hit 196 with the 227 BABIP last year. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. Maybe, uh. Schwebzy can be a tiebreaker here. Schwebzy, what do you think? I like Muncie. Um, I don't know if he ever hits over 220 again. <laughs> I, he, yeah, I, I, the I, fast, he's not even hitting fastballs like for the past two years, which is nuts. He hit 307 against them in 2021, and it's been under the Mendoza line the past 52% fly ball percentage, right? I mean, yeah. he's got a 23.7% home run the fly ball, but. The rest of those are all outs, right? Ground balls are mostly outs too. Is this a Dodgers thing too? I feel like we've we're just talking about Cody Bellinger, how he's you know the whole approach change with the Cubs. Like maybe they're just going for like sell out for power from from some of these guys. I don't know. Speculation. I mean, something notable about Muncie is that he is hitting line drives sixteen percent of the time right now, which is like an obscenely low number. Yeah. Um, and, and line drives are where batting average is found. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and usually when you see batting average outliers, it's because of line drive rate. Whether whether it's a low line drive rate or just in, in, in a weird number of line drives go for outs, 
that's that's often where you can find batting average outliers. So maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too down on him over the last couple of years. Maybe he can get back to that 220 if the line drive rate bounces back a bit. But man, he's he's just doing everything you could possibly do to have a low batting average right now with <laughs> with the fly balls and the lack of line drives and just ugh. yeah. They'll all have to be homers or like doubles off the wall. And he's hitting pop-ups 10% of the time. And I, I think yeah, that's line funny. drives, and this is uh, this is because I listen to rate, rates and barrels, Schwebzy. Um, line drives, at least the one on fan graphs, I think, are done by humans. And there's just an inherent... Oh, that was a that was a line that was a hit. That's a line drive. Oh, that was an out. That was a, a pop up or a fly ball. Um, so, like your line drive could go with like what your batting average is on pitcher list. I don't think there is a human error. It's still seventeen point two percent, and the MLB average is twenty two point two percent. So, there it definitely is a low line drive season for him. Um, and he hit twenty two percent last year, twenty four percent in twenty twenty one. So. Uh, and he's also popping up infield fly ball percentage at 16% of the time. That's essentially a strikeout, right? Like an infield fly ball yeah. is a strikeout. So he's striking out 27% of the time, popping up 17% of the time. That's close to half of your bats that are yeah, automatic. automatic. Listen, that's, guys, I get yeah. it. You, you you guys hate it, and I get it. And I'm just here to say that it, 198 is a low bar. And Muncie hits the hell out of the ball, so that's that's where I'm going, right. Steve. When it's we come over back, to you. when we come back on this, we'll, we'll check in on it and, and give you props if it, if it is. Um, yeah, my guy was stolen from you in the notes here. Uh-huh. Um, someone we talked about last week, and someone I liked a lot, and someone I think would be a great in the deep name. So honorary uh, honorary in the deep member here, uh, Schwebzy can can opine on this as well. Michael Massey. Um, He's becoming like a really good player of these last few weeks. Um, he's hitting 230 right now, but he has a 278 XBA on pitcher list, 226 XBA on Savant. Um, and I think there's a good hitter in here. 75th percentile on hard contact. Um, so that takes into account, you know, total plate appearances and, and strikeout rate. And 93rd percentile on Christian Mack's uh, ideal plate percentage, uh, ideal plate approach. Uh, percentile uh there so that's i think barrels flares burners and walks divided by plate appearance so he's good at getting good results when he comes up to bat has a good max ev i think it's like 60th percentile so it's not non-zero power um i think uh, michael massey is going to creep up and be a popular sleeper for next year and you know you could start to see the royals being good with like Mm-hmm. With Michael Garcia, uh, an MVP, yeah, Garcia, Vinny, Vinny P. Um, even like MJ Melendez is starting to come around. We talked about our boy Freddie Fermin last yeah. week, man. So uh, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, Schwebzy, what's your thoughts on, on Michael Massey? I think the the Royals could be good if they could develop one single good pitcher. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> just one. Uh, uh, Massey has has been one of those guys this year that. It like like when I'm doing my searches for players to talk about comes up constantly, and then I like look at his numbers and I like do it like a like a head tilt like a dog and I'm like why is this so bad, like yeah. I like why are the outputs not matching, but if you if you look at his rolling charts this is this is a Scott Chu special uh, of 
Reddit AMA and hitter list fame, Scott Chu, he loves a rolling chart. If you look at Michael Massey's rolling charts for ex-WOBA this year, he was pretty miserable his first 100 plate appearances. And then from that point forward, he has ranged from league average to well above league average. He's been really, really good after his first like 25 games or so. And it I, it can be a good lineup. Like it's I, I wonder how much of the these underwhelming Royals that we look at, like Melendez and Massey, like I wonder how much of that is Kaufman just being a miserable place to hit and yeah. having to also hit in what Camerica. I don't think yep. progressive is great. But good in uh, the summer, but yeah, tough in, in colder weather for sure. Yeah, it's it's really it, it's just guaranteed rate is the only good hitters ballpark in that division. So he's playing mm-hmm. most of his games in, you know, hit hitters uh graveyards. So I, I wonder how much of his bad production is due to that. But he's been he's been really solid for the last like I, I wanna say at least six weeks, two months, something like that. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah. I like it. Last, I like this over his last 30 days, he's got an 856 OPS with six homers and two steals. Yeah, like one thing that jumped out to me about Massey, too, is like when you look at the player he was in the minors, like average was a plus plus. Like he's got a very large sample size of being pretty much like a 290 hitter. So when you see him, like you said, Chwebzi, like you look and you're like, huh? Like he's hitting 228 with a 650 OPS and his power numbers don't look terrible. But the average especially is what I, I love this name for, Steve, specifically this category is, yeah, like he's easily a 250 hitter, in my opinion, on like true talent. Um, and I think it's a lot higher than that, which is what it would need to be to to pull that number up. But I think it's a really good one for Massey, just 25, and he's hitting third in that order. So, so. I know that doesn't really matter that much for average, but uh, in terms of overall fantasy opportunity, I think there's a lot to like in deeper leagues for for Massey, for sure. I, I hate this stat, but I'll still use it when it's convenient for me because it supports my stance. Um, expected home runs. Like, there are three stadiums where he has single-digit expected home runs, and one of them is his home ballpark. Brutal. So any, anywhere else, he'd, he'd have more homers. I mean, he's got 10 homers already in 93 uh, three games. So, you know... Um, not nothing. Five steals. The approach I, I supports like power. He's a big pull hitter. Like a lot of yeah, his fly right. balls are every in the air. one of those. Yeah, every one of those homers is is yeah, right field. Which it seems like if and if he could pair being this good average hitter with like the Isaac Paredes. Okay, every barrel I hit is pulled and going to go for a homer. Like that's how you get a really really good fantasy player like yeah marcus Mike, Simeon. like marcus Simeon. yeah that that look at look at us uh thinking of the same thing. it is though because yeah a lot yeah. of his base hits are to all fields and then the power the like homer. yeah 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 there's a good player in, in in here for sure so like it a lot uh schwebzy you are up for a hitter who could raise their average by 20 points who we got uh, th- this is me also being a homer and wishful thinking and just w- wanting this season to have gone differently than it has. I'm just going to I'm basically just going to read off a-, a tweet that I tweeted a couple weeks ago, basically verbatim. Th- so these these stats are as of August 6th. I really should have updated them for today. But uh, as as of like 10 days ago, 315 players had hit at least 50 ground balls this year. Pete Alonso was 295th among those 315 batters in BABIP on ground balls. 
180 players have hit at least 50 line drives. Pete Alonso is 180th in BABIP amongst them. Dead last on line drive BABIP. He's not a two. He's not a two twenty hitter. He's just not. He's never been before. He's not now, even though that's what he's currently hitting. And if you go back to what was the date I had here? Uh, July twentieth. He's hitting two eighty nine, and it's with a two seventy four BABIP, which isn't even particularly lucky one way or the other. Like he's his expected batting average this year. Uh, for most of the first half of the season was better than it had ever been. And it just was not showing up on his actual box score. He's good. He's, he's not a 220 hitter. He's, he's, I, it, it, I would not be surprised at all if he hit 270 for the rest of the year. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. at all if he hit 270 next year. Uh, he's, he's the kind of hitter that puts in the work and he's never, he's never not trying to improve. I, yeah, I, I, I think raising his batting average by 20 points is a, is well within his grasp. Yeah. Alonzo, like I've heard this all season because home league talk, my brother has never won our 22 year old home league. And this year he had like Julio Rodriguez as a fifth round keeper. And we were like on paper, dude, this is your year. And he got Alonzo. So this entire year he's like, it's only because I got him that he's hitting 220. <laughs> so I've heard this and I'm just like thinking to myself. And once he's been, you know, he obviously has gone on a tear. He's cooling off a little bit right now. But it's kind of called me to question like, what is that true batting average talent? Like, Steve, do you think Alonzo, do we need to alter expectations and look at him as like a 250 guy with all that pop? Because he hit 270 last year, and that's what we all got, you know, starry-eyed and, and had him at the back of the first round. And we said, this is like a surefire 270 guy. Like, where does he fall? Or is it just kind of, you know, where Matt Olson was, where it's uh, the expectations have to come down a little bit on on average, but the power is still there, but he's like a 250, 260 guy. I think he is a, a true talent, 265 to 270 hitter. Like, this is what he's always been, and it is, like what Shrevy said, just the worst year luck-wise for him. He's been in the league since 2019. Here's his BABIPs. 280, 242 in the shortened season when he hit 231, 274, 279, 201. One of those is not like the other. Plus, another fact that I think played into it, he got hit on the wrist and was supposed to miss like six weeks. He came he, back he in like the minimum in the minimum stint and like didn't hit anything for four weeks. So mm-hmm. there is there is a month of at bats there that he was just not himself. He is back now essentially since like the last two weeks and is mashing home runs and hitting two eighty, like you said. Like I think there's even room for batting average upside. Like he has cut his strikeout rate from twenty six point four percent. Um and last year was just eighteen point seven percent. It's down it's twenty point seven percent this year, but like a guy that has fifty homer pop that strikes out twenty percent of the time, like I cannot wait for yeah Pete Alonso to go in like the third round next year. Because he was going like the mid second or like sometimes creeping up around the turn in the first round. Like if there's any bit of a discount, I am so excited. I'm going to have so many shares next year. Oh yeah. He's already excited about it. He's next year's Matt Olson. Where did did he, where did he go in, um, 
I think thirteen. I, I, I conveniently like xed out the the ADP Dude, that I had put together for us. He's hot right now. He could wind up with fifty dingers comfortably. Alonzo and the Gladiator went nineteenth overall. Wow. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no discount oh, wait a minute, there. Wait. I, I guess. No. Was that, sorry. Um... Sorry. The, the, my settings were off on that. That's a false stat right there. Let me pull up the actual one from our rundown. That that was overall ADP from all of from, last year. Yes, that makes sense. So nineteenth full day range. I got you. It's it's twenty five ADP of twenty five. And and when did he get hurt this year? Mm, it was before the All Star break by like three weeks. I want to say so, like early huh. July. Interesting. I wonder if some of these drafts tapped in before that injury and like when he was still Pete Alonso because it was it was basically July that was a wash for him, right? So. Maybe that might yeah, not take. I mean, June account. he hit, June he hit one fifty two. People just might have said he's gonna he's still yeah. beat Alonzo, but yeah, yeah. I, I think you're spot on that he's gonna be third round in most drafts next year. Uh, but yeah, it's probably gonna be a quick look at the the Babbitt for him to be on a lot of those sleeper or undervalued articles. So yeah, really good one there, Schwebzy. I think uh, across Alonzo, Massey, and Muncie, I, I would probably rank them in that order, as we've right, rightfully pointed out there uh, for those guys. So we got pitchers on the other side, guys, and, and looking at three names that could become the wide-awake sleeper from a hot second half, but we're going to take our second ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay, so we'll do this uh, snake style here, and Schwebzy, kick it back over to you on your name that could be the wide awake sleeper that everyone talks about, you know, they might be going around 200 or whatever the case is, but you end up having to reach for them because everyone knows they're the sleeper. Who, who's your name that you think could become this player? I, I think we are heading towards a strong couple of months for Brandon fought and a, a subsequent, uh, like fantasy analyst frenzy talking about him because he was a he was kind of a pop-up prospect that turned into like the the number one most talked about pitching prospect uh, maybe out, outside of Grayson Allen heading into the year and then he just completely fizzled when he hit the majors because uh, you know it turned out that his fastball was really really hittable he's a tinkerer and i like that kind of pitcher and yeah. he's m- there was a quote attributed to him where he said, like, I don't really want to change my approach because it's what worked for me in the minors. But what he's actually doing on the field isn't gelling with that because he is mixing his he is messing with his pitch mix. Uh, I he's got the breaking pitch to make his approach work as long as he's, you know, actually throwing things in the right order. He throws his fastball in the zone too much right now. Uh, he, but he's got the right idea with it, throwing it up in the zone. And he's had two encouraging, a, a, a few encouraging starts in a row. He got a little unlucky in his last start versus the Padres, where some really good hitters hit some tough pitches out of the zone for for uh, extra bases. You know, for, uh, Fernando Tatis will do that to you sometimes. Uh huh. I, I think he's due for a strong couple of months. He's among the league leaders in strikeout minus walk rate in the second half. And I expect him to be good and and wind up being a another a, another off seasons fantasy anal, fantasy analyst darling. 
Well, now it's my turn to to play the I got burned by him, and and so I'm mad about this one because yeah, I was stashing him without like an NA slot for three or four weeks and patiently waiting for you know Dre Jameson to fizzle out and everything, uh, and obviously it did not start well at all. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right that there's been what three starts of the last five that looked really encouraging with a strikeout per inning, and he actually worked deep into games. Uh, at San Francisco, seven innings, seven strikeouts, and just one earned run. So, yeah, I think that um, I, my my big question is the Diamondbacks' ability to actually develop some of their pitchers, but there was so much excitement with him, and he was so good that, yeah, I, I would not be shocked. And it seems like the type of pick that it's worth rolling the dice with. I mean, I know he had such a great spring this year, and everyone thought he was going to win the job. But next year, if he has a great spring, I don't see why you wouldn't invest in the pick. And if it looks like a train wreck, you just move on. But I think this could be a really good one. And uh, yeah, he's probably got four or five starts the rest of the way to to prove it. But do, Steve, do you your remember? Thoughts? Yeah. Do yeah. you remember like a year ago when, or maybe it was two years ago at this point, when Brent Strom went over from Houston to Arizona, and everyone was like, "I'm so excited to see what happens with their pitchers now," and. It's like every single young pitcher on that team has fizzled. <laughs> like everyone, ex- but but Merrill Kelly, exactly. ace now. Okay, <laughs> right. You, yeah, even Gallon, I think the year that that uh, he went over there, that was like his worst year. I mean, he's a Cy Young contender this year, but uh, the first year that Strom went over there, I think that was uh, the worst year for Gallon after being like a model of consistency uh, for a while, but. I mean, Fott was like a wide awake sleeper already this year, right? Like everybody loved him because he just struck out the entire world in the minors. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to like with Fott and the fact that he's tinkering and all it takes is that one change for for a guy with his kind of stuff and that breaking ball, right? And you kind of can see it when you go to that Savant pitch mix chart where Yep, up goes the sweeper, down mm-hmm. goes the changeup, like down goes the fastball. Um, that's what you. That's that's the one thing you want to see. And I don't. And, I, I, I I I almost not that you wish anyone does does poorly, but you kind of like when a price dips on 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 this kind of guy that has this raw strikeout stuff because then, oh yep, I'll take him in the last round as my fifth starter. Thank you very much, but. Maybe yeah, he does. He does have a strong month, few months here, and uh, and shoots up draft boards. And coming from in the deep, where we generally focus on lightly rostered pitchers, the archetype of player where they have a really good breaker and a terrible fastball comes up all the time. And I think I'm just, a, I think I'm just a sucker for this archetype at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. Who is the guy on the um, on the Braves that was throwing his slider? Uh, like sixty percent of the time, a Oscar Inoa. Yes, Oscar Inoa is like the ultimate trap for this one. But uh, I'm with you. Yeah, Steve has fully converted me into. I'll the, make a bold prediction is... that that Brown and Fod is uh, better than Oscar. Uh, Oscar Inoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good prediction. Well, mine for this, uh, all things equal, I, I definitely feel that. Chase Silseth is going to be the one just, I, you know, it seems like the no brainer with how good he's looked and how good his stuff is. I know we've talked about him uh, 
probably in the past two or three episodes. So I thought it was a little bit boring of a one, but uh, to to throw out here. But obviously the the slider, the split finger, it looks fantastic for Silset. The one I actually put on here, which again, uh, like Lancelin, was kind of an excuse to just talk about some recent developments, but. I threw Logan Allen on here uh, for a few different reasons. I, Steve, we were quick to roster him this season, and it looked really good out of the gate. I've watched a handful of his starts, and I kind of like the actual pitcher in terms of sequencing his tempo and rhythm. Like he's no nonsense when he gets the ball and, and gets going. There's been an issue with the whiff or with the uh, with the walks this season, but uh, his most recent outing was the best we've seen his his whiffs the entire season. So he came off of his lowest whiff outing and then last game had 15 whiffs. Um, the changeup looked phenomenal and he had seven strikeouts in that outing. He now has five starts this season with at least seven strikeouts. Uh, and there was that one where he had 10 Ks. So maybe it's not the best for the category because I don't think like his, you know, savant page, pitcherless page jumps off quite like other ones. But I do think... The rest of the way, we could see some pretty impressive stuff from Logan Allen. Uh, that recent start was not, at least under the hood, not an accident. He threw the cutter uh, way more and threw the fastball way less to a point where it definitely looks like there was an intentional change there. And yeah, I think just overall, we've seen this guy come up, look good, get roughed up and and take some lumps and then now he's riding the ship. So it's another one of those guys that we always cite Nick Pollock of like, you know, whether it's Hunter Green or whoever, you want to see a pitcher come out on the other side of struggles. He's still super young. The Guardians are a great system to develop pitching. Uh and I I think if this pitch mix tweak lasts the rest of the season, we could see Logan Allen take another step forward and be a guy that a lot of people are rolling the dice with and like pick 180 to 200 in the drafts next year. So yeah, Logan Allen is mine, but I really think Chase Silseth is is kind of the, the no-brainer here if he keeps it up. Uh, anything to add on that, Steve, or do you want to launch into yours for the wide awake sleepers? I'll just add that I think it's a great call to bet on the Guardians with, with pitchers and you know they they've gotten a lot out of guys with worse stuff than Logan Allen, even though he's you know has like a ninety mile an hour fastball from the left side. But the changeup and the fact that he throws a cutter now um, or threw it more often recently is is um, is encouraging. Um, my guy, if I could pair his fastball with either any of your guys' secondary stuff, I think would be like one of the best pitchers in the league. Um, that's Bryce Miller. Um, the way I found this was just to go to the Fangraphs leaderboard for the second half and just filter on K minus BB. It's kind of how I, whenever I, it's like a cheat code for whenever I want to look for an interesting pitcher. Um, his K minus BB in the second half is, you know, was like 15th um, around guys like Garrett Cole, things like that. Um, and there's been some tinkering. He's added a sinker, um, added a sweeper, increased his changeup. Um, his fastball is amazing, but there's been times where he's like thrown like 80% fastballs in the start, like 90% fastballs. It's been absolutely crazy, but Bryce Miller's fastball is so good. He is just one secondary away, like one swing and miss secondary pitch from becoming an ace. And I think that a lot of people are going to buy into that. Like all we need is like 
one video of Bryce Miller at driveline, like throwing a slider, <laughs> and then his ADP would shoot up like a hundred points. He yeah, he needs because, like the Spencer Strider develop an elite slider out of nowhere treatment, and yeah. then he'll be amazing. Yeah, the the twenty two percent whiff rate on the slider is well below well, average, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I guess the, to your point though, it's like that's you have a whole off season to work on that. So yeah, I think that when you look at the raw stuff from the fastball, who else is like? I mean, honestly, kind of his teammate Logan Gilbert was like mm-hmm. fastball first, Kirby and, too. Kirby yeah, too. yeah. The Seattle, there. Seattle's got a type. Seattle has a type, and they've got guys who are coming through with it. So Brian yeah, it's, yeah, couldn't really be a wor- or couldn't be a better organization to have that issue because you're just surrounded by guys who have been doing the same thing. So yeah, that's a that's a good one there. Seattle should swap some coaches with Cleveland, like the ones that teach the breaking pitches in Cleveland should <laughs> just spend spend just a season like over a, there. Yeah, yeah, just uh, do like a. a, a a winter Coach summer camp. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. That reminds me of like before Lucas Giolito's breakout, there were like reports of him working with his former coach who is now with the Giants in San Francisco. And I was like, what do you think the, the White Sox pitching coach like thinks of hearing that he's he's developed well, something with a different organization? It's what? It seems like the White Sox really haven't learned their lesson with that. But yeah, I remember that distinctly that Giolito talked about like they're like how'd you get better? He's like what you what like what the team do? He's like uh yeah I kind of just had to do it on my own. <laughs> yeah, worked with my old coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. I think we're from here, guys. We've got some rookie talk on who's had the biggest impact. But first, we're going to tell you about underdog fantasy. You guys want to make some money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try underdog fantasy. It's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. An underdog's pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST, all one word, and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So you got some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store and sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 years old or older, 19 and older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and be present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. So on to the rookies. And Steve, this one I'm struggling with the most. Uh, I got to tell you, because I feel like at this time of year, it seems like all of the, the big names have either had their shot and taken it or have gone the other direction where you see like a Colton Kowser or somebody who's come up and it hasn't worked out. They get sent back down, but why don't you uh, lead us off with a rookie call up that you think could have the biggest impact the rest of the way to defend my uh, question here, subject here. If you remember correctly in September, when there's just enough games that guys could hold on to their rookie eligibility and, ma- and teams can manage their at-bats. 
Um, there was the a, a, a there was there was a little little floodgate of prospects, guys by the name of Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson, that came up in September last year, um, and are probably the front runners for Rookie of the Year in in both divisions this year. So, and, and that being said, they also were decent in September. So yeah. Um, my guy is someone on one of those same teams that's also has more of a reason to call up a prospect, and that's Jackson Holiday. I really think that he is going to be up in September when they can limit him to whatever the four at bats a game are, give him a day off here and there, make sure he holds on to his rookie eligibility for next year, and they're able to get the, the draft pick and everything like that. But you know, I think I saw the, the O's are playing the um, the Padres the, uh, as we record this this week and like there was a tweet that I saw that's like how much better the, the Padres rank in like all of the hitting and pitching overall stats and yet their their records are so different um, mainly just due to like hitting with runners in scoring position and you know blown saves things like that um, leads to their difference in record so as good as the Orioles are and I like them a lot they still could use some help, um, especially on the infield. I know they had like Adam Frazier and stuff. So I really think Jackson Holiday could be up and could be impactful. It's going to be in September, though. They are not going to lose his rookie eligibility for 2024. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Jackson Holiday launch a home run here in Peoria earlier this season. Steve, do you remember me texting you that? I, I do. I do. That yeah, was a... it was it was a jaw dropper. I think. Yeah, it, it's it's a good one. I just wonder that organization seems like there's so much, uh, so many mouths to feed, and he's moved up. What were like? I think he's. He, been, I think he's been. Levels? I think he's been at three levels this year. I think he's okay, but I mean, still, it seems like they're not hesitant on it, and they're obviously trying to win, right? So I think that one makes sense. Um, mine, I'm actually jumping ship. I I wanted to talk about <laughs> Robert Gasser because I like it. Uh, he's he's looked really good. Uh, his last nine starts, he's had over thirty one percent strikeout rate at AAA. This is a pitcher for the Brewers. Unfortunately, every pitcher for the Brewers looks really really good right now, and they're at the top of the NL Central. So I don't. It would take an injury, so I don't, I don't think it's a good one. Uh, what I'm gonna shift over to is Mason Wynn because this is one that. We're excited about in, in Cardinals Nation. And Steve, you tried to throw cold water on this with him leaving <laughs> the field last time we talked about him. But yeah, Mason Wynn, he's gone on a bit of a power surge lately. He's a great defender. The Cardinals obviously don't have much to play for. The fan base is kind of clamoring for the debut here. I think there's enough movement and, and versatility in the lineup where they could work him in and probably spell out, you know, like Jordan Walker still struggling. Uh, moving around people in the outfield. Tommy Edmond can play anywhere. So I think Mason Wynn is one that could come up, and I'm very interested to see if the power in the minors translates because if it does, the rest of his game looks good enough that this could be like a, a real attention getter in terms of like five-category type of stuff for Wynn and a great defender as well. So I'm switching over to, to Mason Wynn on mine. Not sure if you guys want to weigh in there or we can jump over to, to Schwebzy on on uh, a rookie call-up for you. But open the floor. 
I, I think this is a tough category. We've seen more aggressive prospect movement up to the majors this year than in recent yeah. history. There's not many general. left. There's not many left. Yeah. There like it, there are guys left, but so many of them, if they were to be called up, I'd be like, wow, really already? But we've yeah. been seeing a lot of that. So like, it's, is, it's like is, is Lawler is like is Lawler gonna come up? I know he was just promoted to triple A. Like, That's who I was thinking. There you go. Like uh he homered today. There's there's so I'm I'm cheating. I want to talk I'm talking about a couple of players here because yeah, I, no, again, go for like, it. That's fair. Yeah, I, it's I don't a tough think one. There, I don't there's no I don't think there's a slam dunk. I don't think there's a guy out there that's like mm-hmm. he's coming up. All, all of these guys are like, well, he could see time in September. Uh on the hitting side of things, I like Jordan Lawler if he can hit in triple A like he hit in double A. Lawler started slowly in double A, but then really, really came on strong. And if he can continue hitting in AAA, I think he winds up seeing the majors because I do not think uh, Gerardo Geraldo Perdomo is a very good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fine, but the Diamondbacks have playoff aspirations and they, they could use all the uh, extra juice they can get. Perdomo's and- a utility guy on a playoff team, right? Yeah, right. I, I, I think he's like... You know, again, being a homer and using the Mets as my reference point for everything, I think he's basically like Luis Guillorme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Strong walk rates, good defender. But yeah, I think he tops out at fine. Uh, Lawler is a strong possibility. And then another team that is clawing for the playoffs and could use a jolt, the Cubs, Pete Crow Armstrong yeah. has been Ooh, yeah. so much better. Like when he got drafted, the scouting reports were like, Lots of talent, great defender. If he hits at all, he'll be good. And he is hitting more than like at all. He's hitting so well. Like he's he's even walking now that he's hit triple A. Uh, he's probably I would I would love him as like a, a potential five category contributor if he came up uh, a high upside contributor. And then on the pitching side of things for the same team, Stroman is now down for a while. We could get a Ben Brown sighting. Which would be fantastic around the pitcher list Discord for uh, because one of our colleagues' name is is uh, Ben Brown. Brown. Yeah, that'd be fun for the memes. But, uh, sake, we got to do it at least. Brown has been in AAA for a few months now, and he's had two absolute blow up starts that are like killing his season long line. But other than those, other than those two miserable starts, he's been good. Uh, if he can harness any sort of consistency and control, I think I think we could uh, we could see him get some starts down the, down the line. Yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong, that's a great shout. In just 84 games, double-A, triple-A, 18 homers and 30 steals. And is he – I'm not seeing it right now. So is he middle infield or what? Outfield, what outfielder. Center fielder. Oh, okay. I was going to say, they're kind of blocked a little and, bit. And on you know infield. he's going to hit because he was traded for – Oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to have Javier Baez, so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah it, like, it hurts. It, it's it's the, like, the, oh, the hey, bus, we, traded, we traded away Kalnick. Uh, you know, why, why, let's that do it again. Well, you want to see me do it again? <laughs> Two other names I'll throw out real quick on the same team. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jackson Churio, if you know, he's been like on fire since the beginning of June. And then I, I'm going to butcher this name, but Jacob Mizorowski on the Brewers. Um, I think he just struck out 12 guys in six innings uh, in his double A start recently. So maybe, maybe. Maybe those guys come up. I love Mizorowski. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's, I was, he's really good. I was wanting to take a peek at what's been going on with Matt Mervis. So is it just because he was so exciting at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. I guess he's just not hit. The strikeouts have gone way, way up at 32%, and he's hitting just 167. So, yeah, I guess there's there's no way through there. Um, but that's one man. We thought he was like a mini – Vinny, Vinny Pasquantino yeah. at the start of the year. I, I have a bit of a contrarian streak. So when someone starts getting like all this helium and like I was completely unaware of them, I'm like, nah, he, how good could he be? And that <laughs> led that led me to dodge the uh, the fought and Mervis bullets this offseason. <laughs> really glad about Steven, that. Steve and I grabbed, uh, grabbed Mervis in like the first round of our <laughs> of that fan tracks dynasty, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. We also are yeah. we also are stashing Ben Brown on our uh, on our major league bench because our pitching was so bad that we need to use a, a bench spot on a minor league player. But hey, there we go. There we go. Well, moving over to closers. Uh, this is an area that's always very difficult for me. I feel like perpetually it's the the weak spot on on my squad, but. Uh, Steve, why don't you start us off with a reliever who could take over a closer job uh, if we want to still hit on quick closers here? Um, my job that I'm interested in is the Angels bullpen because Carlos Estevez, as we record this, is in the process of giving up two hits and potentially blowing another save for um, for the Angels. And a guy that's been really good all year um, and has closed out some games is Matt Moore. Um, he's had a really, really solid season. I know he's a lefty and a bit of a lefty specialist, but um, he's he's a deep name. I know they also have Ronaldo Lopez, who's been good there. Um, and uh, another guy who I brought up last week, whose name I'm forgetting right now, who got the Angels' most recent save other than um, Estevez, but... Yeah, the Angels are just a total dumpster fire, and I think that it, even if this save is, is blown tonight, uh, Dominic Leone is the other name to, That's to, right. to look for. Um, Mets that legend potentially uh, could steal this closure job uh, if 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 he does blow the save. I think uh, the next save chance could go to someone else. Yep, some some good ones there. I mean, mine will hit it quick, but. Will Smith uh, for the Rangers. I know he's been kind of uh, he's bagged a lot of saves. He has six saves in the past month, but he also has a five ERA during that time. And the Wolves at the door with the Roldis Chapman, who over the past month has uh, twenty three strikeouts and in ten innings and a two point seven ERA. So just with how good the Rangers are. I kind of feel like they would want to pilot that scenario before playoffs comes, and I could see that happening with Chapman. Obviously, they brought him in for a reason, and yeah, Will Smith, it's just kind of the eggshells every time he's out there uh, with the lack of strikeouts. So yeah, Chapman is mine, but uh, to kick it over to to Schwebzy, I know this is never a topic we want to spend too much time on uh, for, for a reliever that you think could steal the closer role. I mentioned it was a weird year for prospects. I feel like we're also in a weird year for closers. Mm-hmm. Like in a standard season in in mid-August, there are a lot of jobs that are like in flux, I feel like. Right now, there's like, like tw- I feel like there's 25 or so 
closer situations that are pretty stable. It's been it like just, that all year. There's only so been weird. a few jobs, yeah. Like I, I honestly, I just wouldn't want to be looking for a closer right now. If if you don't have a solid closer mm-hmm. right now, I, 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 I'm sorry. It's it's you're not in a good spot. Uh, I, I don't. I, I like for for someone who would take over a closer job, I would be keeping my eye on the Detroit bullpen right now because their offense is kind mm-hmm. of coming around. They're they're actually like a, they're not a, a terrible team. These are this is not like a hundred twenty lost Tiger team. They look pretty good lately. And yeah, that Bo was it Bo Brisky or is that how he yeah said? is he with the Tigers? Like yeah. he's been better. Brisky got a two inning save the other day. I I been on Alex Lang all year. I've been pro Alex Lang and he's really let me down over the last month, but I still love the the stuff. He's got the best swing and miss stuff in that bullpen. But uh it if he does continue to stumble, uh he he got a non-save appearance today, which is uh alarming for his future, but Jason Foley, I'd be keeping an eye on. Uh until uh, until today he had not given up a home run all year and then he went and gave up two home runs today but uh, unless today was the signal of a a uh, long stumble i i do like foley taking over that closer job and then uh a guy that has a job and is just under rostered i i would be looking at gregory santos if i needed a closer and he was available in your league he finally finally got a save chance today he is unfortunately on the biggest dumpster fire team in baseball in the in the uh, Chicago White Sox, but he did finally get a save opportunity today, and you know they the White Sox proved that he is you know their guy for that he, role. He got he got a two inning save on Tuesday too with I think three strikeouts. So um, definitely definitely a good name and yeah definitely under rostered and yes the White Sox are a dumpster fire but they're also not like. 120 lost team either so there could be some wins there and hey the yeah. bad teams only win by a few runs when they do so maybe there'll be some some opportunities yeah. there sadly liam hendricks is not coming back yeah no yeah yeah no you i mean i, I agree i think the white Sox. uh there's enough there to where that could be uh i wouldn't be shocked if they put some wins together even with everything going on there uh, I know I was talking about Elvis Andrews has, has been on a little bit of a heater, which I love to see as well. But I think they have a pretty light most most AL Central teams tend to, but I think they have a pretty light schedule the rest of the way um, as well. So food for thought for sure. And there is no no competition in that bullpen. That is a really bad bullpen. Yeah, that job is outside his. of Santos. Yeah, even maybe next year potentially, right? Yeah, well, yeah, so, for yeah. you know. Keeper uh, dynasty situations. Yeah. Santos yeah. is a great target if he happens to yeah. still be available. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Two saves in the past week for Santos there. He's just 20% rostered in Yahoo leagues, which brings us to our last category of the night here, gents. A head to head playoff league winner with under 30% rostership in Yahoo. So these are, these are the league winners. These are the ones that uh, you add, you ride the hot hand, it just turns into basically the level of savior for your head-to-head leagues that you almost want to buy the jersey uh, because they take <laughs> you to the promised land. Uh, Steve, why don't you kick us off with your, your league winners that are under-rostered? Uh, Schwebzy stole all of my names, so I had to... to <laughs> oh, go for it, here. go for it. No, take, no, no, take no, 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 I, I, got, I got a few others, I got a few others. Um, Max Kepler is one. I believe he's rostered at 
just 20% or 28% in Yahoo. Over the last month, a 308 average, 969 OPS with seven homers. It's a bit of a platoon situation. I think he mostly only starts um, versus righties. Yeah, he only has 62 at-bats um, this year versus lefties. And, you know, uh, he is not that good versus them, but he is on fire now. We've seen stretches like this from Kepler before. Um, if he is out there, I would definitely ride that hand. Um, his other, uh, his teammate is the other guy I had there real quickly. Um, Edward Julian is a guy that I know we liked uh, Van heading into the season, but mm-hmm. um, been really, really good lately. An 821 OPS over the last 30 days um, was four, five for four uh, today uh, versus Detroit. Um, leads off a lot. Um, does strike out a little bit, but he's got power. I mean, you know, the overall line shows that he should be rostered in a lot more leagues. But um, I know that infield's getting a little crowded there. But with especially with Royce Lewis, who I think is another name. I don't know if he qualified for the twenty percent there, but Royce Lewis has been on fire. So go to the Twins if you need your league one. Uh, I guess is my uh, my theme of the day. Um, but Royce Lewis, as long as he can stay healthy, like he's basically been like a star. Um, he had a steal today, homered, um, or didn't homer, but, uh, had three hits. Um, I I really like Royce Lewis a lot. Fun fact about Edward Julian. Uh, he had a 10 game stretch this year where he had the second best OPS in a 10 game stretch ever in the 120 year existence of the twins organization. That is crazy. The the only player that topped him was Nelson Cruz when he had the super bounce ball and he hit like, he hit like 11 home runs in 13 Uh games or something stupid like that. Crazy. That's great. That That is mind blowing. And yeah, the uh, God, that's nuts to think about with all the studs that have come through there. Uh, Yeah. I, I think Julian is, especially like a points league specialist with the, with the walk rate. But yeah, seeing him tap into the power has been awesome. Uh, so Schwebzy, you stole a lot of Steve's. <laughs> Why don't you, you take us on your head to head playoff league winner candidates? Well, to stay in Minnesota, I love the power potential of Matt Walner. He even stole, he even stole a bag to today or yesterday. Uh, oh. I, I did the, uh, I, I did the thing where you see a player only has two games in a four game stretch uh, a four day stretch. You so you bench him in a, in a yep. TGFBI and then Matt Walner hit a grand slam in one of those games and stole a base in the other game. So that was, that was fun. But no, I, I, I love Walner's power potential. Um, I'm actually, I, you, you had me looking at Minnesota's uh, game log because of uh, the guys you mentioned. Walner has started in seven, uh, seven of the last eight and dating back to July 18th has only sat twice. So Walner's in there pretty much every day, and uh, to to uh, talk about one of your guys a little bit too, Kepler has actually started. Max Kepler has started two of their last four games against lefties. Ooh, interesting. Okay, even better. Yeah. So yeah, that, that looks even better for him. Uh, the twi- the Twins have been a really fun source of uh, in in the deep targets this year. I've I've really enjoyed following a lot of their players this year. But uh, some some other potential league winners mostly based on schedules, the Rockies end their season with 13 of their last 19 games at home. And we, we love Rockies when they play at home. I 
can't shake that Ezekiel Tovar mm-hmm. is due for like a killer one or two week stretch before the end of the year. He's been showing like small improvements all year long. Maybe maybe he could be a league winner when he gets a, that that long stretch of home games in September. And then in the opposite direction, players who normally play in a bad ballpark but will end their season on the road a lot, the Tigers are going to spend a lot of September on the road. And I think that could mean big things for Kerry Carpenter and Spencer Torkelson. Uh, this year, Torkelson has been better on the road than he has been at home. Carpenter's actually been better at home, but that's largely due to like a 180 BABIP on the road. Carpenter has been awesome lately. All he does is barrel the ball, dating back to last year. And he is this year he has just continued doing what he did in a small sample size last year. Carpenter and Torkelson both hit home runs today. I, I really like both of them as uh, as power targets that are rostered in 30% or less of leagues. Yeah, Carpenter, it seems like what does he have to do to get the attention of the fantasy universe? Because uh, not, not be on the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But like the, we've been talking about him throughout the whole season. We, we really and, liked him in like April, right, man? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he just hasn't cooled off. He, you know, all of the kind of traditional underlying metrics look great for Carpenter. And yeah, it's not like he's like lacking production it's i picked him up in in my home league i'm literally hoping that he is the league winner for me because he's like a util piece for me going into the playoffs so yeah love that one and love torkelson as well i think those are two names that will be kind of surging in the off season for sure it's kind of sneaky value from what we've seen um mine to round us out guys is uh mover to the Arizona Diamondbacks and now hitting third in that lineup. It's Tommy Pham at just 18% rostered. Uh, now, unlike Schwebzi's uh, astute observations on the schedule, the Diamondbacks actually have a tough string of games, no getting around it. But Tommy Pham, since batting third, uh, has looked tremendous for the Diamondbacks. Uh, and he's currently riding like an eight-game hitting streak uh, he's getting some steals in there, homers as well. And talk about a guy whose savant page lights up uh, 83rd percentile on hard hit, 78th percentile on barrel rate. I think everyone's just got Tommy Pham fatigue and kind of the notion that he is a guy whose who's underlying metrics look better than his output. But when you look at a season, it, it's kind of the Hoomst exercise where a 260 set or a 265 average and 802 OPS. He's kind of tracking toward like a 2025 type of homer speed rate, which is crazy for being 35 years old. So I think Fam is one that we've also seen go hot in spurts and wouldn't be shocked if he did it with that lineup, uh, hitting third and, and getting some good counting stats. And yeah, just 18% rostered. So. I'm going Tommy Pham, and full disclosure, uh, that was a name I pulled up in the last five minutes. So thoughts on uh, Tommy Pham, guys? you think there's any uh, lightning in a bottle here for the, the old veteran? Oh, I love I love Pham. He got hurt uh, just before the trade deadline, which I think did a lot of work towards uh, like like dampening his his flame. Like he was he was incredible in like July. Yeah, and he was then super he, hot. Yeah, and then he hurt his groin right before the trade deadline and then got traded to the Diamondbacks, which is not really where you wanted him to wind up. Like, I was kind of hoping for, like, a, a, a 
the Yankees or um, mm-hmm. Houston, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like a, just a good ballpark for because back to the Reds or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, but he, he's just good. He's he's just good at hitting the baseball. Like uh, I don't. There's nothing really more to say about it. The his only problem is really that he doesn't elevate the ball as much as you would like to take advantage of his really great raw power. Yeah, yeah. The plate discipline looks good this year as well. Twenty one percent strikeout rate versus twenty seven where it was last year. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the opportunity in the lineup order is what kind of excites me the most, but. You know, he's always got a chip on his shoulder. We've talked about that. So I I feel like he's the type of guy that gets a nice bounce from a new environment because he's like trying to prove a point or something. So soft analysis there. But uh, wow, a lot of names, guys, a lot of topics. Uh, Let's go around the horn real quick before we sign off and say when you guys peruse this, give me one that you feel best about. And it could be from your list or somebody else's. Uh, Steve, I'm going to put you on the spot first there. Um, the one I feel best about, um, and I'm not just blowing smoke for Schwebzi or being a Met homer either, but it's Alonzo. Like, yep. It is such a clear outlier, those that those two months of batting average. like He is a 270 hitter. He is going to hit better the rest of the way. He is not going to hit 220. Yep. Schwebzi, let's hear one from you that you're liking. Uh, just, just to, so I don't repeat, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I like Chase Silseth a lot, and I'm a little uh, mad at myself that I didn't think of him. I, I, I think Silseth is really interesting. I, I'm, I, I'm mad at myself for cutting bait at the start of this year because of uh, reading too much into his early struggles in his career, mm-hmm. and also not really trusting Angels player development. So I, I cut bait where I shouldn't have, and uh, but uh, I, I'm really I'm really big on him. I have I have him in a few leagues now. I added him where I could. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. Here's to hoping it's not uh, another Reed Detmers, but yeah, I'm in the same camp, uh, and it's always a little frustrating with like the six man rotation. But yeah, the the talent looks undeniable at the moment, and why would it stop? I'm going to round it out by just balancing. Oh, I guess I'm sorry, Steve. I'm going back to Schwebzy. Kerry Carpenter is one that I really like. And I think for him being rostered as little as he is, uh, it just seems like you get minus steals. You're going to get the homers. You're going to get some counting stats. You're going to get the average. And if they're away from Detroit that often, looks like he's on a little bit of a heater right now. Uh, yeah, post All Star, he's batting three twenty one with a nine sixty five OPS. So I really like Kerry Carpenter there, and just twenty five years old. Like you know, he's not even at power prime yet. So really like that name, and it's got enough of that like boringness to where I, I think his roster ship will still stay pretty low for anyone tuning in. So uh, that was a blast, man. Schwebzy, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to uh, finally get the the digital meeting with you. And Steve, what'd you think about it? Like, it's got to be the best voice of any of our podcast guests, yeah, right? The I best four is up there. The best voice on on WAF by far. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, and yeah, and the great part about doing like a prediction show like that, like it's it's an like now Schwebzy has to come back on. Like it's an automatic. <laughs> oh, you have to come on to review the the prediction episode we did or the late season bull prediction episode we did. So. Uh, yeah, we'll have to come back and review it. So uh, you're on the hook for that one too. Sorry, I, old old, uh, 
old fishing trick or whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I, I appreciate you guys letting me uh, knock off the rust. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Oh, anytime. absolutely, man. And and there should be plenty more to come. You guys can follow Schwebzy on Twitter at Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And yeah, Schwebzy, we'll have to get you back on, do like a little... Uh, yeah, bold predictions review and maybe diagnose or prescribe the appropriate ADP for some of these guys, whether they move up or down. Something like that in the offseason should be fun. But thank you guys for tuning in, as always, especially in August. A, a long show, but a great one. It's Wins Above Fantasy, episode 113. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. But that wraps us up for this episode. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.